If these bulls could talk, they would walk along the bases and into the fields. If these bulls could talk with Mark and John. Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss and the other has no idea what those topics are. My name is Mark Pesci, and with me always is the guy who's large and in charge, John Campania. What's going on, John? <laughs> I think I'm going to laugh every time you do one of those dumb rhymes. Oh, it's 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 different every single time. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, dude? Things you sound especially good. handsome tonight. Uh, don't I? Don't I? I have a brand new filter. Yeah, you do. Ho- hopefully there's a lot love less it. popping and uh, on here and, and whatnot. But Sounds less, fantastic. Less popping and locking. A lot, a lot less popping and locking because you know how much we love to dance on this podcast. <laughs> you guys sound like you're in a professional radio show now. Ooh. And as you've heard, already heard, uh, with us is our producer slash intern to the creative director, Pete Steffen. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing all right. Uh, last week was kind of nuts. I apologize for uh, missing an episode, but oh man, work uh, in visual effects is sometimes it's an easy day. Most of the time, it is it can be hell. But we're how's Ryan Reynolds doing? <laughs> I will say this. Uh, Is he allowed this, to say where he was working with Ron Reynolds? We, we just. <laughs> He's probably not. No. But I did work with, uh, well, worked on Christian Bale's Pale Blue Eye movie uh, recently. And actually, there was. Oh, an that article. is out. That's out, yeah. Theaters and Netflix. Yeah. How Maybe many times in- did he yell at you while you were mixing his audio? Like, actually, I'm, I'm doing uh, his. We had to add snow to like every scene in that movie. My mom's going to watch that movie tonight. I told her that you're going to be in the credits. She was excited. Uh, yeah. She's like I'm, 81. So it's going to be, she's going to be like, what did Peter do? I'm in there as the, uh, the 2d supervisor for cadence effects. I can totally see Christian Bale yelling at the people in the background to make good for you like, better or something like that. I can totally see that. I look fucking terrible. Maybe he'd say it like Batman though. So, Oh, God, I terrible. Nobody would understand them. <laughs> but, like, what? Yeah, that one's already out. And then uh, the other project that we were rushing to get done is done. I'm hoping it. Hoping the podcast it looks is really not good. sponsored by Cadence VFX, by the way. No, no, no. We're just sorry. But uh, we're, we're happy that it's all finished and we will hopefully see it in theaters very soon. Cool, cool, cool. Right. And with us today, you've already heard his voice a little bit. Our special guest, also my cousin, Matt Medeiros. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. What is going on? How's everybody doing? Doing much going. better. Doing it sounds like better. you talk like me, Matt. You know, I haven't been able to pronounce most consonants well since <laughs> I was a kid, but I've nailed the vowels. So hey, that's good. Yeah. That's all you need. We got a ton yeah. of them. Yeah, those are yeah. the most important anyway. Yeah, I, I, I've always said that. Yeah, you know, think about it. If you're on, if you're on prices, right? What are you doing? You're going vowels all day long. <laughs> all, day. All, day. All, all day. All day. All day. You parked that car. <laughs> so let's get to know our friend Matt, shall we? So Matt, you grew up in Massachusetts along with myself, but you had the unique experience growing up in an Italian family and a Portuguese family. So tell us, what are your favorite family memories and what are the big differences between the Italians and the Portuguese? Oh, wow. Good family memories. Well, that's a short list. That's easy. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, well, similarities are easy. A lot of Catholicism, which is a lot of food, a lot of drinking to try to push away all the guilt that you have deep down for any joy in your life. I think that's been pretty consistent. Amen. Um, a lot of yelling, <laughs> a lot of yelling, right? <laughs> Always, yeah. Always yelling. Well, you know, I, you know, Mark appreciates this being on the Italian side, but 
you know, in our Italian family, nobody actually waits their turn to speak. Nope. The rule of thumb is you just talk louder than the person currently talking and it's your turn to talk. So you get this lovely crescendo effect where it seems like we're screaming at one another, but really it's just a group of people dying to talk and no one listening, which is really what I think family is all about. It's not listening to one another. Matt, that's amazing and literally exactly my experience. My wife still to this day, and we've been together since 1997, she's still like, wait your turn, John. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, if I waste, I'm never going to get a fucking word in with these people. You know what I nope. mean? So, yeah, I won't ever. get the last meatball. Oh, yeah. Come on. Absolutely not. And uh, and the Portuguese side is great. We're from the Azores. Uh, no one knows where the Azores are. It's a group of islands in the Pacific Ocean. It's like the Hawaii of the Pacific, but nobody cares. Um, and I'm well, sorry. It's the Hawaii of the Atlantic. Say, Hawaii oh, is another Pacific. It already. is in the Pacific. <laughs> I swear to God, it's my first scotch of the night. I promise. That's some good uh, stuff right there. Uh, no, you know, we're, we're dark skinned, lovely people. We just like to, uh, eat a lot of food, drink a lot and, uh, and just have a great time. I, I will say that in both sides of the family, they really embrace the Bostonian of it all. So, um, no, uh, no emotional intelligence, uh, high, high levels of humor and sarcasm is the, uh, cachet of the day every day. So the more you can insult the people you love, it really just shows how much affection you have for them. I'd say that was pretty consistent across the board too. So yeah, as you heard, Matt is our very first Boston sports fan guest that we've had on this show. We've had a bunch of New York fans, but uh, it's because you let me invite everybody. That's I'm gonna I'm trying to represent my neck of the woods now with uh, with my cousin. <laughs> That's, good. Good. That's good. So like Mark has been saying, now uh, you grew up in Massachusetts, but you now reside in the San Diego area. Um, what are the biggest differences from a sports perspective between San Diego and Boston? Oh, man, that's a huge. You know, I think I, I think it comes down to San Diego's wonderful weather. So 12 months a year, there's all kinds of things you can do. You can go play sports outside. You can go swimming, go to the beach. You can go hiking. Um, you can go to winery, have a good time. You know, unlike Bostonians where we have a good, I don't know, five months of the year, I'd say, right, Mock, where... Um, you're just in your Less home, <laughs> um, getting fatter, eating, and your entire life is based on your sports team success. So um, I would say the level of caring is significantly higher in Boston <laughs> because people in San Diego have a life and our lives are lived through athletes who uh, were better than us the moment they were born compared to our probably high school collegiate activities. I think, I don't know if anyone's was made college. High school is where I topped out. So yeah, yeah me too. I got, see, I, I started real tall and stayed the same height. So I ended real short. Mm-hmm. And once you're short and you want to play basketball, you're like, no, you're not allowed anymore. I went to an inner city high school, so that stopped really fast. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a lot of competition there. Yeah. I'm still waiting for my growth spurt. To there kick wasn't in. any, it'll get there, Mark. No competition. Yeah. I, uh, I was actually doing pretty well for a little bit in college at cross country, and then my lung exploded for no reason. So then that was kind of the end of that. Uh, and then that sounds I, dangerous. I, I think you can't gloss over your lung exploding. Yeah, Did you get a new one? What happened? No, it 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 apparently fixed itself, but it took it took like a month. <laughs> it was a small explosion. Yeah, were I you wasn't... a Universal Soldier with Jean Claude Van Damme? How did yes. you just lung yes. rebuilt? That his uh, knee so, exploded, Matt, yeah, and we pushed yeah. him around next, like in uh, Trading Places. You yeah, remember that so scene? Yeah. The next the next year, yeah, I was running track and doing really well in practices, just like ripping it up. I was like flying. And then I go skiing with my dad and had to rent these skis. I didn't like them. I'm like, crank up the bindings. Stupid idea. <laughs> I fell and the ski didn't come off and my knee just kept going 20 miles an hour down the hill when the rest of me stayed there. And uh, yeah. Now I'm just going to picture Dolph Lundgren beating you with the ski 
for the rest of the time now. That's what I'm going to picture. I beat myself with it, unfortunately, by accident enough. <laughs> Tall Flundren doesn't need to help. <laughs> All right, Matt. So you also created a large group of friends and family that attend a New England Patriots away game each year called Pat's Fest. And it's been in cities like New Orleans, San Francisco, and most recently Las Vegas. So tell us how this started and if you have a, a most memorable moment from one of them. But we'd also like to know what the hell were you thinking when Jacoby Myers lost his mind with the worst oh lateral in NFL history? Oh, my God. So we were in the stands and I want to be very clear. We were in like the picture yourself about the 15 yard line, a little high up in the stadium, third tier. So there's four tiers at Allegiant Stadium, which is the Vegas stadium, which is a great stadium, by the way. It's all blacked out. It's pretty cool. We're sitting there. And, you know, the first, so just to build up the, the understanding, right? So the first thing you're looking at is like, oh, we're going to huck the ball a couple times, try to get a PI, right? See if we can get a field goal. Who knows? Maybe Matt can accidentally bounce it off a defender's head and it can bounce into one of our terrible receiver's hands. But no, no, we, we do a couple crappy plays. We don't take a shot. And then we hand it to Ramondre, who's great. Love Ramondre. We're thinking, okay, so it's just a draw play, you know, a little run up the middle. No big deal. And we see him running and then we see him lateral it to Jacoby and you go, oh, that's that's interesting. Were they watching the Miami game? Is there something they're trying to live through? And no kidding, you saw it. You saw him look over. And the moment, you know, there was a line of us. There was like 15 of us or 16 of us at the game. We all looked at each other like, no. And he hucked it across the field. And you could see Chandler. You saw him. He, he looked at it. It was like, you know, he's drooling a little bit from, from excitement, just, just in slow motion as it drifts down into his hands. And you're like, oh, God. We knew. I just put my, my, my face like this. I was like, God, please, no. And he caught it. And he stiffed arm what is easily the saddest attempt at a tackle I've ever seen from a human being, which that was, was Mac Jones bad. kind of falling down at his feet. Maybe he was trying to bow to somebody who's a superior athlete. And Chandler <laughs> ran right towards us. <laughs> right towards us in the end zone and scored. And I'm not going to lie. All these years of doing it. I think this is year, I think it's maybe year eight or nine that we've done it now with, with my family. It's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. Because no, the stadium I, was 50-50. I got to give Raiders fans credit. They really showed up. There was a lot of Pats fans. There was a ton of Raiders fans. It exploded when he caught that ball. I believe Ooh. it. Exploded. Terrible. It's memorable, but it's terrible memory. Dumbest thing I've seen in a long time. And that's really saying something, considering this Pats team has tried to be dumber every week. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a real joy. Was that before <laughs> yeah. or after Derek Carr stormed off and took his ball oh, with him? Oh, yeah. That poor guy can't, can't keep his job. He's going somewhere next year. God knows I mean, where. He, he has to go somewhere. He's good enough to go somewhere. But yeah. the fact that they were just yeah. like, you know, we're in the playoff hunt, but fuck that. We don't give a shit about that. Let's okay. try our new guy out. I don't understand why Derek Carr gets such crap. Like, Same. worst case scenario, if you're listing out the quarterbacks, he, he's not he's not not in the top 15, right? He's got to be in the top not. 15. He's got to be. Absolutely. He definitely gotta can be. be. Yeah. I, I'd at least put him middle you know and and with right. and he has his good days too right where he really turns it up so i hear you i feel bad for Devonte adams too he he went there he went there for Derek carr and then just he's screwed now i'm i'm dying i just want you to know like i'm rooting for this because i love i love hilarious storylines is Rodgers just, you know, fake retires his way out to get traded to the Raiders and just ends up back with Devontae. Oh, I'm actually, I actually, I fully think that's going to happen, actually. I really do. I really do. How much more exponentially homeless is he going to look next year, though? Oh, that's a good question. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go cube it. I'm going to cube it. <laughs> 
right, let's say we get started. Are you ready, everyone? Hell yeah. yeah. Let's do it. First topic. So the NFL playoff field has been set. And this weekend, which is dubbed Super Wildcard Weekend, we'll have six total games spanning Saturday to Monday night. So, John and Matt, who is your Super Bowl matchup or who might be a potential dark horse and provide at least one upset in the upcoming playoffs? Well, I'll tell you what. I am still surprised the Giants are playing football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, in the beginning of the season, I told my brother and anyone who would listen how terrible the Giants were going to be. But Pete explained to me the benefits of Brian Dable, who I think is probably in the running for coach of the year. Great coach. He figured out how to, A, make Saquon Barkley not get injured halfway through the season. And okay. B, make Daniel Jones not a piece of shit. And so I don't think the Giants have a shot, but that's been my kind of running game. But I think they are probably a reasonable dark horse. As far as favorites, I really like the Bengals, unfortunately. And I know this is a, a Bills-leaning podcast. And so I think uh. that the Bills the Bills definitely also have a very strong shot. If I was in Vegas and I had to bet, I would probably say... I don't know, Bills, 49ers and Eagles. Bills-Niners, probably. Eagles-Bills. I don't... <laughs> I don't see either of I don't see any teams in the NFC but them each other beating the Eagles or the Niners. Interesting. I mean, you're not going to give any any love to to Mahomes in the AFC. Yeah. There's no Kansas City chatter from you on the AFC side of the house. I really think that I don't know. I really like the Bills a lot. I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC, and I have been kind of a backup Bengals fan since Joe Burrow came onto the picture. I think he's got another good shot to go back. Uh, uneven Burrow, Burrow who can look like he's hot garbage, and then and then and then God in the next light. He's uneven. You know, what you don't want in a playoff game is uneven play. And I'll throw this out to you too. At the end of the day, right when you're picking Super Bowl picks, I keep it simple: best team. Mm-hmm. Now we know in the football football world, right? It's not a best of seven series, not baseball. Nope. Best team doesn't always win, as the 2007 2011 Patriots, rest in peace, oh, have God. proven. But. Best best team is easy. Best team in the AFC is the Chiefs, hands down. Best team in the NFC is the Eagles, hands down. Now, would I rather see the Bills go? Absolutely. See, people people misunderstand Pats fans. They think we're not rooting for the Bills. We're rooting for the Bills. We want we you guys rooting to for the Bills. Get, get a W. Hell yeah. Go get I mean, it. I mean, we gave you guys like two free wins for 20 years in a row, so. <laughs> really appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> so. We've been meaning to send you guys a thank you card, but you keep jumping through freaking tables and stuff. Yeah. It's <laughs> really hard to get an address out of you. Um, it probably got destroyed by some crazy tailgater. It's fine. <laughs> but no, and, and look it. I, I don't, I'm not convinced Allen's fully healthy. Mm, Mahomes nope. is. People cannot stop Kelsey. They've kind of pieced together this like amalgam for Tyree Kill of like these castaways, you know, shout out to a great movie, by the way. And that's it. Right. Like that's that's where we're at. Like Mahomes is going to do some weird 10 yard scramble underhand slash sidearm, you know, volleyball hit. And it's going to hit some guy you've never heard of, you know, who's like their third tight end. They're going to they're going to win a game. So I got to go. I got to go Eagles, Kansas City. And uh, if it's who we want. If I want to use the dark horse for that, 
I think the Niners would be fun as hell mm. because the Niners have like the best skill set players. <laughs> that's a, it's like something in Madden that you would Frankenstein together to create. Yes, a that's a good point. I like that. <laughs> it's they're, not. They're, it's not normal. You know? their, their defense is amazing. They, I mean, they've uh, held their opponents to the fewest yards and the fewest points for the for the whole league. Defense wins championships. They've won ten games in a row too. So uh, I actually think the Eagles are vulnerable, especially to the running game. The Eagles have not been the the best at defending the run and what do the the Niners do really well they they run the ball yeah they do but that's like McCaffrey can keep both his legs underneath them how healthy do you think Hertz is for the uh, for the playoffs I think he I think it's they need the bye oh yeah I don't think he'd be 100% if he had to play this weekend I think the bye is really saving their bacon and you yeah, tell, if, you, if you guys watched the last game, he wasn't hundred percent. He wasn't. No, no he, he had all. a lot of rust yeah. on him and yeah, he needed to, to shake all that off. I th- it was, I, I think if had they, they could have potentially lost the divisional round. I think if Hertz did not play last week, because that's a lot of weeks to miss going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But let me, let me turn it around. Right. So except the, who do we not want in the Super Bowl? Forget Ooh. that. Who do we not want in that Super Bowl? Miami. <laughs> because that means that means we lost. I mean, how does Miami round. get in the Super Bowl? Seriously, I know. I would have felt better about it if Tua played. I feel bad for the guy. Like seriously, I thought we were going to get that a rematch of the cool snow globe game that we had earlier in the season. Like that was fun. Hey, it, the it human was, in me is very glad that Tua is not playing. He needs to fucking stop. He does. He at least for this season, like reevaluate and heal. Um, yeah, I mean, how many headshots has that guy taken oh, so in many. the last like seven Just, weeks? Seriously. At least, I think four documented, and there was definitely a fifth one when Buffalo clocked him and he couldn't walk, but somehow they kept him in to finish that game in week three. Messed up. I like why. Like in the modern NFL, when they take guys out because they just sat down, how did that guy not get picked out? I don't know. Everyone saw that. Everyone saw yeah. that, and is he uh, he's stand. wobbling around. He looks like a baby deer, and he's right. like, "Oh, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine." Criminal, criminal. Yeah. Like I seriously, like at that point, just like look at all all the people that are like you know officiating and just be like, "You guys are fired. Like it's fired." <laughs> we had a guy played with like a potential TBI. Right. You know, y'all are fired. Everybody go home. <laughs> So for me, I think the most fun would be Bills Niners because I never got that in the '90s, and I'm, you know, I have to. I I don't know. They're scary as hell, but I just think it'd be an awesome looking Super Bowl. Wow, you're a better fan than me. Be be a fun story if Brock Purdy got it too. I don't want the Niners because I'd be afraid of losing to them. Like, but (laughs) I think if if you want like what I think is going to happen, I I don't know. I I think Buffalo is going to ride the magic wave of. Oh my God, Demar Hamlin's okay, and we're just going to keep mm. returning every kickoff for a touchdown. And well, I mean, like, him getting hurt is the Holland second act of a sports ending. movie, right? And yeah. so yeah. they're going to win it for Demar. You is he gonna, like like the third act is it. them winning, right? Like if the Bills yeah. win, right? Eighty percent of America's like stoked about it, right? Because you guys are the are the story, you know? Like you guys came back from this crazy, horrible, scary. I have never seen anything like that in my life. That when they show the solo, he gets up, and it's like. And then all of a sudden, just gone. Yeah, we we all saw it live, and it. it Steph and I were scared shitless, like watching that. Like they replayed it once on the national broadcast before they stopped showing it, and that was the freakiest thing I've ever seen. Like it is literally a complete freak thing. A twenty-four-year-old man who is a professional athlete in perfectly good health yeah, gets just, hit it in a microsecond where his heart, you know, his heart is beating with enough force to stop it. Yeah. Ugh insane i didn't even know that was a thing until now i mean how do you even play again like do you guys think he plays again uh, 
I, he wants I don't think to. he does. I don't think he does. You think his career is done? I mean, if, if you're his family, you're going to talk him down, right? You got to be like, you, you, you yeah. got the miracle you wanted. I mean, who knows if he can even get back? Like, you know, they right. haven't said anything other than, you know, they've taken, I think they said the feeding tube is out. He's breathing on his own. He's out of the you hospital know. now. Yeah. Yes. Do you think he's going to be there at Sunday's game? If he can, he'll be there for sure. Yeah. Guy's a, guy's a tough, yeah. tough SOB. All right. So my dark horse, believe it or not, and Maddie, to kind of answer your other question, who I don't want to see win, I don't want to see the Cowboys win. But there's a, not, there's a specific reason why I don't want the Cowboys to win because I actually want to see... I want to see Sean Payton coach the Cowboys, and I think if Mike <laughs> if Mike McCarthy loses the, against the Bucks, then I think Sean Payton becomes the head coach of the Cowboys, and Mike McCarthy's gone. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, I, but I think the Bucks are a potential dark horse, and could they kind of have a path to the Super Bowl? I think. So, oh no, are you are you on this Brady train? No, 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 no. He's always on the Brady train. Listen to me. Listen to me. The Bucks defense is getting healthy. Tom Brady has finally figured out how to to throw the football again. I think so. I think they can beat the Cowboys, and then they would face potentially the Eagles. And I think the Bucks can beat the Eagles because again, the Eagles they're susceptible to the run. And I think Leonard Fournette will just be you know smash football, and he'll just he'll just run all over the Eagles defense. I, I love you, cuz Tom Brady is a bell pepper away. <laughs> He's a nightshade away from like a QBR twenty. What are you talking about? He has been hot garbage. If you saw a dumpster on fire and Tom Brady, you wouldn't know what you were looking at for 10 seconds. He has been terrible all season. Terrible. He's been great lately, though. Maybe I'll, I'll try to see if I have Giselle's number and I'll get Giselle to call him and that'll just fire up Tom that, he'll, you know, he'll be. If you get Giselle's player. number and you're talking about her assuming the ex-husband, <laughs> you're wasting your phone call. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Well, I'll tell you. The Giants can definitely beat the vulnerable Vikings. And so I think in so a world, too. Yeah. In a world where in the Giants world. play the Niners, or even better, the fucking Seahawks, in a world <laughs> where the Giants get to the <laughs> NFC uh, the NFC Championship game, I hope it's the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, as a Giants fan, you'd have to, right? Hell yeah, you'd have to. But who do you not want to see though? Because that's really the question, right? Like, who is there? You're like, oh god, not not this team, please God. Well, I'm a, I've been a Giants fan since I was old enough to know about football, so I hate the fucking Cowboys. Because that's I'm my a, job as a Giants fan, to hate the Cowboys. Well, I, you could have said Eagles, though, right? Because I hate the mm. Eagles, too, but I hate the Cowboys more. The Cowboys played ruiner to too many teams. It was like I was a Knicks fan when I was that age, too. I'm a Knicks fan still, but it was like I hated the Bulls, man. because And, and I hated the Pacers because I just couldn't beat the Bulls and we couldn't beat the Pacers. Yeah. It's the same reason uh, in the last 10 years I hate stupid Justin Verlander. Can't beat Justin Verlander. <laughs> no matter what stupid team he's on. But now he's, on, now he's a New York baseball player again. Or yeah, he's for a Met, though. Anybody want a next topic? So, guys, uh, to keep it on the NFL, um, Arizona Cardinals finally fire Cliff Kingsbury after an abysmal 4-13 season with a reasonably talented roster. Um, other than his stint with the Cardinals, Kingsbury has no NFL experience, and he really couldn't even win at Texas with uh, college-age Patrick Mahomes. Um, Mark, is this the end of the longest con in NFL history? And uh, in their current state, can the Cardinals improve under new management? So I don't, I, I think someone else is going to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, people keep hiring Chip Kelly and that was pr a pretty big con for, for the longest time. Although I hear he's doing okay with in UCLA right now. Yeah. How, how Cliff Kingsbury got into that position uh, to become the head coach of a pretty good Cardinals team at the time. They're not so good now is, is pretty unbelievable. You, you had a bunch of people that really didn't know what they were doing at, at Arizona. So hopefully that can 
that whole situation can get fixed for uh you know for Kyler Murray's sake and 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 Arizona essentially same Cardinals were 11 and 6 last season but keep keep in mind too so this is a team that they just extended Cliff Kingsbury and the GM who they also kind of fired even yeah, though he did. he resigned for for health reasons, but I think everyone <laughs> kind of knows what that means. I mean, there's there's a bunch of NFL teams not really making very good decisions. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett from the Broncos he got canceled at, or he got uh, fired after one year. Oh, I could have told um, you he was bad news back in 2013. Yeah, Lo- Lovey Smith, unfortunately, he got a raw deal from the Texans because I mean he was given a team that was definitely going to lose just about every single game. And he got fired after one year, of which they also f- fired the guy before him for only uh, after only being there for one year. So there's a lot of NFL teams just making god awful choices right now, which so that makes me think that Cliff Kingsbury will get another chance because there's just a lot of people making bad decisions right now. I don't know, Maddie. What do you think? I mean, the the biggest con in the NFL is Adam Gase. Uh, so that's <laughs> oh, that's it. true. I forgot about Adam Gase because yeah. he not only fooled the Dolphins but he fooled the Jets. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, I, you know, I think I think your point's well taken. I mean, I don't know, John, how these guys get jobs. It's like, oh, you're, you're not good at college? You'll be great at the pros. <laughs> yeah, that, that's And the way they talked him up when they gave him that job, he's an offensive mastermind. He has all this great structure. He he really coached that team right into the ground. And you could tell in midseason where Kyler Murray just had enough of the whole coaching staff and started screaming literally right at them. Yeah, I actually think he should come over to the Patriots as our offensive coordinator, one, so that Matt Patricia can go find a hole somewhere. But also, two, because guess what? That's the same look that Mac Jones had on his face. What the hell's going on? Why am I throwing another screen pass? So I, I, I will say this. I think that... He will get another job, even though he doesn't deserve it, which I think is just a great lesson in NFL that no matter how many times they make the same mistake, they cannot behave well. Despite countless talented people, they hire the same idiots who fail in multiple places, but they tell themselves, oh, I failed, but now I got it. Now I figured it all out. Well, now they hire new idiots that because, you know, they knew like Sean McVay or they knew Kyle Shanahan or something like that. It's like, Didn't oh. they say that in the conference? He knew him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, that's an NFL qualification. Yeah, you that makes you a somebody. brilliant coach. I mean, to lose with James Conner and DeAndre the Giant, Marquise Brown and AJ Green is really just a travesty. Criminal. Criminal. And, and your quarterback can scramble on anything. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys who literally has all the weapons. I actually think that's going to be the sweetest job that's going to be up. If you're a guy who can get into a place, that's where I'd be heading. Because yeah, you have a franchise guy. Yeah. yeah. They said that they're going to let Kyler Murray be part of the decision too, which I think will be good for his confidence. Smart. So he makes a good decision. NFL teams guaranteed not to make a good decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Football. I think the best things that came out of the, yeah, you brought up the Texans. The best things that came out of the Texans this year is rookie cornerback Jalen Pitchray, who I have on my dynasty team now. Ooh. And that's the only reason why you know who he is, right? 100%. <laughs> I had the guy, I had the kid on um, Carolina and he got hurt midseason. And I was like, I need to find a new one. So I just did a research and I was like, oh, and then he's like much, much better and he's younger. So I was like, too okay. bad you didn't grab Purdy. Right? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, Everyone passed on Purdy seven. Actually, times, no, he won me. He won me my uh, the championship actually, <laughs> because Hurts. Wow. Hurts. I drafted Jalen. Oh, that's Hertz, right. You way. did pick him up every year. I end up with a super terrible draft position because we don't do snake. It's based on the previous year's standings, and I usually do pretty well. So I'm stuck drafting like ninth or tenth out of twelfth. So of course I wait forever to pick a quarterback. I'm like, oh, I'll pick Jalen Hurts. He's going to be good this year. No one's going to think about it. He's amazing. Okay, great. I get to the playoffs. 
oh shit, he's hurt. <laughs> Who am I going to grab? Everyone's got everybody. I'm like, all right, Brock Purdy, we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and it that was also when you just went all in with Jalen Hurts and you're like, yeah, it's totally fine. We're totally going to do it. Yeah. Wait, I think I think I think this is the thing we're skipping here is Pete. You're you're not doing just in order draft. You're doing an auction draft, right? Like no, like no, it's adult. it's it's like straight up like NFL style, like oh, every no. straight up order. Well, no, because it's based on the previous year's standing. So like the yeah, winner we get repeat, or the lead we get repeat teams last. every year. And the worst, yeah, it's, we we have a lot of continuity, so we're able to do it. Hundred percent for the last five seasons. Yeah. Wow. It's they shipped well. your uh, they shipped your your plaque engraving by the way, Pete. Oh, nice. <laughs> Matt, this year we met this year. We invested in a um, maybe a five foot trophy. Not five foot. It's not that. fucking it's gigantic. Three foot trophy. And um, we have um, it being uh, continued for the last seven seasons and probably for another it, 15 or something. Like like that. Oh, it does like that. Hell yeah. It's the same like one. I think that's the same one. <laughs> I think our football. Like Lombardi said winning wow. isn't everything. It's the, it's only, the only thing. thing. That's great. That is literally the trophy, man. Awesome. Wow. Wait, well did done, you, boys. did you, is that this year or last year? So I am the champion from last year. Okay. Um, I was dumb enough to, I also drafted Jalen Hurts. Uh, I unfortunately, mm-hmm. my top two running backs was JK Dobbins and John's and then uh, Connor who were Ooh. out for like the uh, first six hurt, weeks. Hurt all year. Had yeah. myself a whole little bit there, but uh, ouch. Yeah. I was on yeah. the jo- I was on the Jonathan Taylor, Kyle Pitts train this year. So my season Oof. was fucking terrible. Get that man another drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want bad, Kyle Pitts was my last year in this in our dynasty league. This is the other league when I went all in and traded a future draft pick to move up the draft to get Pitts because I'm like, oh, he'll be the next Travis Kelsey. No, throw the ball. He was yeah, not right. It's the worst possible team for him to be on. And then he gets hurt on top of that. I'm like, no, you made, you made a good point. Every year I don't draft Kelsey. Every year he's great. Every he's, year I'm like, ah, I'll go. You're like, but he's just a tight end, though. He's a hundred points over the next tight end. Yeah, yep. it's ridiculous. He, he wasn't it's great ridiculous. last year. The year I drafted him. Next topic. So we have a good segue from the previous topic that we we kind of already talked about, but that we currently have five head coaching vacancies, including the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Texans, and the Colts. Now, there could potentially be more if Sean McVay decides to resign from the Rams or, and I'm just stirring the pot here, if the Chargers or the Cowboys become available because either have them lost this past this coming weekend in the playoffs. So, John and Matt, which NFL head coaching vacancy is the most desirable? I mean, I got to go. I got to go Cardinals. At the end of the day, there's no guarantee you're going to get a franchise quarterback. And out of the teams you named, the top five there, the current vacancies, the only person with a franchise QB is the Cardinals. True. I mean, the corpse of Russell Wilson is not just, just for all the Denver fans out there. Sorry, Denver Nation. You traded for a dud. It was a disaster. It is. It went very badly. I couldn't believe how bad that turned out. Yeah, I call it a train wreck. But you know what? It's not even a train wreck. Have you guys ever seen Broken Arrow? Great old John Travolta movie. Yes. Your weapon. Yeah. Yeah. You broke an arrow, Denver. It's a nuclear train wreck. That's how bad that freaking draft was for you. Um, you would have been paying off. Geno Smith, what was he, like $5 million? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Quite such a deal. He was such great for Seattle this year. I feel really bad for Javante Williams, who was in Oof. like the second year of his career now, and he doesn't have a team anymore for some reason. Vicious. So no, you, you got to go Broncos because you have a couple talented receivers, guys that are, that are good defense good. too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, big the big name that's being thrown around right now is Sean Payton, and some people are saying that 
you know, an aging Russell Wilson is very similar to what he dealt with in New Orleans and aging Drew Brees. So could Sean Payton maybe make the Broncos better? I mean, it can't get any worse. <laughs> I don't think anything could make the Broncos better. Well, you know what? I like um, Dan Quinn, who is the DC at Dallas right now. Yes. And I think that he is a much better football mind than Mike McCarthy. I don't really like Mike McCarthy that much either. It's hard, right? Because Pete Carroll's a great coach. And I was on the team of like, man, he's really stifling Russ. You got to let Russ cook. I was bought in. I was team Russ. And then look at that. Pete Carroll proving once again to Boston that we were wrong. Sorry, Pete, we, we, we fired you. It's just one of those things of he was right. Russ it was a clearly allowed to do whatever he wanted and he can't. He couldn't do it. He was garbage all season. And so I don't know if any guy going in can get Russ to do it. If Pete Carroll can't get you to buy in the right way, if he gets it's it's like the only guy better than, than Carroll to me is Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's just lights mm-hmm. out. Great coach. Great coach. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like number one, right? Because he just he kept the crazy of Antonio Brown. His guys love him. He motivates people. He knows how to delegate. He's a leader. He's great. He knows how to pump people up. He's amazing. I'm gonna love my Mike Tomlin. Don't have to like the Steelers. But I like Mike Tomlin. I, I don't know if you can get through to Russ. Mm, who are you gonna bring in that's gonna make him great? It's gotta be a guy who's gonna tell Russ, hey you know the things you like to do? Remember that last year? Yeah, you're not going to do any of that anymore. Yeah, it's going to run Javante all day. I mean, I'd say too. I think the Seahawks are better with Geno Smith, with you know Tyler Lockett. All the play- uh, DK Metcalf is finally what he should he's a should beast. have been last season. He's, he's a, a beast. beast. He yeah, had a that great is, year. That is a specimen I mean, of a human being. Holy and shit! If oh, you yeah. say that um, the staff is worse without Russ, then just Pete Carroll's making them all better. So I agree with that completely. Yeah, Denver's Denver's screwed. You can't get rid of them. I, I, I feel as, as someone who's had rough years, I, I feel for you guys out in Denver, but I, I don't know what, what you do. I don't know if there's someone you, you could bring in to coach through this. And I think that's the challenge. So if you're Sean Payton, <laughs> you're looking at the Cardinals going, hey, I know how to make a semi-mobile quarterback look, look amazing. Come on over. You know? So you, you think Sean Payton should go to the Cardinals? Oh, if I'm Sean Payton, wh- where else would you want to go? It's perfect. Beautiful weather. Great quarterback who likes to move around the pocket. Talented team. And offense, yeah, that's that clearly the best job, yeah. right? Yeah, you are you are right about the weather for the for us, but well, at least during football season. I I was actually just there in October for for a tennis tournament. Of course, what what I what do I do? I play top golf over there, and oh, su- <laughs> such a good time, such a good time. That's my cuz. I don't want I only want to live there during football season though. Mark, I, do we have a top golf? I want to play top golf. Oh, I'm getting a top golf near me very very soon. Actually, uh, okay. Good old when are we going to Mark's Island. house? Hell yeah, top yes. golf not a sponsor. <laughs> I mean, just full in on that. Um, just you look at the skill players at Denver. Denver is not a very good team right now. Judy's I don't good. know. They have a lot of young talent at wide receiver. They have a pretty good defense. Judy's I actually... fine. He's not good. So how about Sutton? You don't like Sutton? I like Sutton. Sutton's good. I like I, Sutton. I mean, Javante Williams, I don't know why you think he doesn't have a team right now. Because it's like you said, it was only a second second. Year. I mean, I, listen, I in that Dynasty League, I bought into Javante Williams. I am a Javante Williams fan. Yeah. So I, I actually think it's it's the Broncos personally, because I think the right coach can can turn that around. But you're absolutely right. Russell Wilson has to actually listen to the guy. Yeah, we'll see. Or they just draft somebody good in this draft with a million quarterbacks. What about the possibility of Jim Harbaugh? going back to the NFL and coaching the Colts. The Colts are another team that just, they need a resuscitation. So Jim Harbaugh is a perfect guy to do it. Someone I heard uh, joking around that Jim Harbaugh, former 
NFL quarterback, he probably should be the quarterback of the Colts again because he's probably their best option right now. <laughs> they would be better. For I sure. mean, I mean, they, that's the problem though, right? Like you yeah. can't win in the modern NFL without a QB. No. So the Colts no. are going to go in hoping to draft somebody. That's their plan, I guess, right? Unless because Brady's not going to go there. You may as no, well. Probably right? not. Probably not. Like because yeah. Brady, Brady's looking around. He's either going to go see go see his buddy Josh. Right, go over to Vegas. I don't think he'd go to the Jets because I think there's too much Jets stuff for the rivalry, you know. But like, where else Ra- is he gonna go? He probably goes there, right? Miami, I think. Raiders or Miami? Oh, you think Miami? Well, if Tua is done, mm. I mean, what wasn't he originally trying to own Miami or something like that? <laughs> yeah, they there, got- there was a, there was that whole story that that was like, yeah, like was we're, we're bringing Peyton. Tom Brady on a boat with like the owners, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna buy the team, and then somehow you're gonna unretire and play. I was like, what is this? Yeah. They got they got fined and docked a draft pick, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, that that was for um uh, for firing their coach, who was really good, and like the like oh like, yeah, that former Pats over. defensive coordinator Brian Flores, amazing Flores. Yes, I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. I mean, luckily Miami like fell into another really good coach so they're fine but like that was uh that whole thing just looked like a shit show last year i mean that place is very i mean we've talked about even on the podcast that place is very poorly run yeah Yeah. but yet they're good they're talented i mean they have a ton of talent and the fastest wide receivers in the nfl so Mm mm-hmm yeah, seriously. I mean, every time Tyreek Hill caught a ball, he had like eight yards of separation. Oh, Tyreek Hill nice. had more separation on one of his catches than the entire Patriots offense had all season. That's a Ooh. fact. That's measurably, that's measurably proven. Empirical. Yeah. Call it. Next topic. All right, guys. So we're going to switch to college football on Monday night this week. The Georgia Bulldogs crush the second ranked TCU Horned Frogs 65 to 7 to win their second straight national championship. This was on the back of QB Stenson Bennett, finishing 18 for 25 with 304 yards, four passing touchdowns, and two that he just took in by himself. Uh, Stetson had a stellar college career with almost 8,500 yards and 66 touchdowns. And so Mark and Matt, at only 5'11", 190, how do you think Bennett's going to do in the draft? And will he even be drafted as a quarterback? That's a great question. When I look at Stetson Bennett's frame, I actually think he could be another Julian Edelman, also a former quarterback in college. That's in my notes. And because hmm. he, he's just, you know, yeah, he's not very tall. He's not he's he's not a big guy. I just don't see him as an NFL quarterback. I, I don't think someone's going to draft him as a quarterback either because they're, they're, all the scouts are, are interested in body type and uh, and what I mean, you you take a look at the quote unquote short quarterbacks. You have like the Kyler Murray's, the Russell Wilsons. They really haven't been. While while Russell Wilson does have a Super Bowl, he lately he hasn't been very well, as we've already talked about. Kyler Murray, while he's admittedly very talented, he has not had a lot of success in the NFL, especially in the later part uh, of the seasons. Uh, you, you just take a look at the archetype of the modern day quarterback and it's he's he's definitely taller than six feet. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's true. I don't know. I, I feel like it's getting better, but they're not there yet. Right. So, you know, the old joke, right, with the Broncos is six, five two sixty, baby. Come on down. But, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the NFL has learned their lesson there, too. Right. Is you can have a cannon. You can be six, five. It doesn't mean you have the two most important qualities in any quarterback. Right. Which is vision and quality, quick decision making. 
Mm-hmm. That's what it's about, right? Is you can see the field and you can make a quick, sound decision. And at the end of the day, is there a team now considering the dearth? Because you got to remember, we're going through a transition here, right? There's a there's some some good young blood, but the old bloods are dying. Brady looked terrible. Rogers looked terrible. Matt Ryan apparently dead and not resuscitated while while actually operating an NFL team. I mean. A lot of the old guards going out. So there's a, there's a lot of teams out there that are looking for somebody to come in and get the job done. And this kid was amazing. So is there a team? Remember, it just takes one team to believe it, right? Right? It's the same reason Bill Belichick's drafting a DB right now in the second round that ESPN doesn't even have tape on because they've ever heard of him. It takes one team to make, to make the draft pick. And this kid was so explosive. I don't know if he's going to be a first rounder, right? Maybe the height takes him down a notch, but top of the second round, end of the first round, I can see somebody seeing a kid and saying, hey, we'll give him a good offensive line. He's mobile. He's accurate. He has great decision making. We're going to give him a shot. And, you know, they'll do what a smart NFL team can do, which is you you draft that kid. You bring in a vet, a wily vet. You can show him the ropes, let him learn for a little bit. And you do it the right way. I think the kid has a shot. I don't think nowadays, I don't think in 2023, he has to go the Julian Edelman route. Although I think because I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, for him to beat, just beat up TCU like a high school team. I was watching that game and it, it was just like he knew where every single player was. He just knew better than them. He, he clearly knows quick. the game very well and can see He's the field. He's a very smart football Amazing player. Amazing vision. Amazing. He was a walk-on, apparently. Yeah, he was. Which is crazy. Wow. Huh. Right? And so his first I mean, two years in college, he didn't even really play that much. And oh he still God. had those kind of numbers? Yeah, insane. He had an insane college career. Well, that, that might be one reason why he's so smart, too, because he is like, you know, mm. twice as old as everyone else on the on the, uh, the He is 25. So, so that's going to scare a couple teams off, too. Potentially. Uh, it hasn't in the past. Though. I mean, Chris Wenke, he was an older quarterback from Florida State. I think he was 27 or 28. Well, when he got drafted into the NFL, so it, it has happened before. I mean, as we've kind of said before, that NFL teams sometimes make some stupid ass decisions. So uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I personally, if I was running an NFL team, I would not draft him as a quarterback. But, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stupid decisions being made in the NFL. So uh, there potentially will be. That I mean, how big is Kyler? Matter. How big is Kyler? He's, he's, list, he's listed at six feet, I think. So he's 5'10". Because we all know they had a couple feet. inches. Yeah. So if we're Completely, looking at this totally. draft, and this is, and, and I said it before, this is a very quarterback-heavy 2023 draft. But Bryce Young, ex-backup to Mac Jones at Alabama, he's only six feet tall, and he might go. He might be the first quarterback that goes because he's incredibly talented. Mm. Yeah, I just, I, I think at the end of the day, like if you went to NFL teams now before Kyler's injury said, "Do you want a Kyler Murray?" I think a lot of teams are saying yes. Yeah. Despite to your point, because he's he hasn't demonstrated this amazing ability. He's not he hasn't had a Lamar Jackson season. Right. <laughs> Mostly last season, of course. But, you know, he hasn't had that yet. Right? right. What's his hand size, which I know seems like a silly thing, but I mean, oh, that's, that's a big thing in the, in the NFL draft. It is. No, it, it really is. And um, yeah, uh, Drew Brees, that was that was his thing. Right. They were like, he's shorter. But holy shit, does he have gigantic yep, Drew Brees, like, two, giant six hands? Tall. So, By the way, I love how I you asked that as control. if we knew every single person's hand size and that ever existed, Pete. <laughs> I mean, what teams do you think are going to draft a quarterback? Well, I mean, if you want to go in draft order, right, everybody knows the Bears are selling at one. They like fields. I mean, how could you not? How could you not like yeah. fields? <sighs> you see him run again. He just outruns people like he's, he's a gazelle. Yeah, he's crazy. 
McCarthy told him to stop running that that game he ran for 200. He was like, it was insane. He just wouldn't stop. Why would you say <laughs> Why that? Would you? All these running quarterbacks, when they get when they do get injured, they get injured by getting hit in the pocket, usually not from running. I think Houston drafts That's a quarterback. Like and I think Houston over. with the quarterback is much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Indianapolis. I mean, pretty loaded, right? Because they have two first-rounders. They have the one from Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Indianapolis is definitely going to draft a quarterback. Yep, oh, yeah. they'll draft a quarterback. I mean, there's a lot. There is a lot of really good quarterbacks that are going to come in this season. Yeah. Commanders, yeah. Or are they all set? I mean, Seattle no, could. They like Geno. doesn't mean you're not going to draft somebody, right? Sure. Yeah. I'm trying to know what the Lions are going to do because Goff had a pretty good season. I think they stick with Goff. Go- uh, the Lions said that Goff is their guy. And after that last game, after their last game where they played spoiler, right? That was amazing. That was amazing. That was a big F you to Aaron Rodgers right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Fuck off, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Go back to to your shit. No, that's a great point. Atlanta, Carolina, there's a lot of teams that need to be. There's a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's going to get drafted. I really do. I think that. I think he's going to get drafted as a QB. And I think he deserves it, too. At the end of the day, if, if the worst thing someone can say about you is you're a few inches too short, who gives a shit? Do what you reason. Take another couple steps back. You're good to go. Doug Flutie worked out pretty well, right? Out. Doug Flutie go. worked out pretty well, right? What did, was he listed at 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, five, he was really like 5'7 or 5'8". I yeah. met him. He's like 5'8". Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's that's John playing quarterback back there, yeah. basically. And it yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. He even had, there you go, John. Doesn't work, by there the way. There you go, John. <laughs> well, it worked good enough for him to get his own breakfast cereal, so you know you've made it in the NFL. Next topic. So over the offseason and after reaching the NBA Finals, the head coach, the Boston Celtics, Ime Udoka, was unexpectedly suspended for the entire 2022-23 season following an investigation for multiple violations of team policies. It was later discovered that Udoka had an affair with a female subordinate. Despite losing their head coach, the Celtics currently sit with the best record in the NBA with their interim coach, Joe Mazzulla from Rhode Island, and are the potential favorite to make it to the NBA Finals again. So, John and Matt, what should ultimately happen with Ime Udoka? Well, I'll throw this out. Anybody who's with Nia Long should be happy. Nia Long has been beautiful for 30 years. I love you, Nia. I don't know what Ime was doing. They officially Ime. broke up by last month. Good for her. 13-year relationship. Good for her. I mean, look it. He's radioactive. The He's kind of a funny-looking dude. What's that? He's kind of a funny-looking dude. <laughs> He's definitely like, like Nia was always, has always been put together, and he looked a little sloppy towards the end there. I don't know if you guys saw him. He's doing like the, the thing that we do in Boston when we add in the extra 15. You just start layering your clothes because it looks better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh you deserve better. There's this picture of him in a Celtics blazer in this article. He looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. So I scary. mean he shanked it. He had he was golden. He had a beautiful woman who loved him. He was killing it. Took took a team to the finals that uh, you know, just we, we unfortunately died out against the Warriors. They deserved to win, but good for him. Was set. And then, you know, he was playing tickle the pickle with somebody he wasn't supposed to be playing with, and, and here you go. The Nets tried to hire him. They did. They tried to hire him, and every every single woman in the organization is like, no. And then even the Nets, who are the pinnacle of stupidity and mismanagement, were like, we're probably going to pass on maybe you, the, Maybe this is a bad idea. <laughs> so no, he's radioactive. His job, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. He's radioactive. He can't get a job in the WNBA. He's certainly not going to get a job in the NBA. Maybe college. He tries to resuscitate his career, but I think he's. I think he's done for a little bit. And I think he he has to be too. Um, and we've sp- spoken about this on the podcast a little bit. But in a, in kind of a world where we're kind of trying to bring women into professional sports in these coaching roles and in just this cancellation society, the Celtics can't bring him back. They just can't. They can't be that team that did that thing because then they're always going to be that. And it takes away from the basketball. He is still technically just suspended from the team, not hasn't been officially terminated. I actually think the Celtics did this in hopes that people would forget because, you know, it's it's all recency bias and, and the, the news cycle is is so short that another story will will take the place. Do you think that's going to happen. Like, like, obviously, the the four of us haven't forgotten. And, and they're doing very well under their interim coach right now. So look, you could say it's Brogdon at the end of the day with Missoula oh, doing as good a job as he's doing. The, 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 this, Brad's too smart. The owners are too smart. This is a delayed firing. That's all this is now. I think I think, you know, because you, know, you could be right in the sense that you know, maybe initially they were hedging a little bit. But I don't know if you guys saw that news conference. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it. Brad Stevens was nearly brought to tears. That was and the most he, emotional I've ever seen him. He's a right? he's a very stoic guy, but he yeah he was very like distraught. Yeah, and his line was like, "We have to show respect for women." This organization, I was like, I don't know what this guy did because the full details still on out on this. They, yeah, they were very hush about it, and it's only very recently that it's been confirmed that yeah he he was doing he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do with a female. Yeah. But it, it reeks of like a lack of consent. Like no one's that emotional about like, you, you know, you had sex with one of your boss's wives, which seemingly he did. Right. It's still there's bad. A, a, it... Yes, exactly. <laughs> but not right. Not as bad as a non-consent thing. That that's that's probably what the drama really is. Yeah, or so a I... workplace thing or a quid pro quo thing. I mean, right. just the shit that happens in male dominated industries. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I think I think with Missoula, we're good. I think he goes from interim to full-time. I think the Celtics tell him to take a walk, and I don't know if he finds a landing spot. Yeah, he'll probably be out. Oh, he sh- he'll, he'll definitely not have a job, at least in the NBA, for a couple years. Personally, I think he'll be back just because sports just has a way to forgive and forget especially if you're if you're a winner and you've won in the past. I think some teams just get desperate and if you become a winner, uh I mean Rick Pitino got another job. Uh, he they he certainly they, they, and he's he, such a great coach. Oh, Thanks, Rick, for nothing. Well, Thanks mean, for nothing, Rick. I mean they 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 turned they turned Louisville into you know the Bunny Ranch and and like <laughs> and, and like they essentially all the players were just going out and having having a good time. I mean clearly you you're you're the head coach when all this is happening. You should be fired for that. But now he's he's a head coach again. Now he's not a big he's not a big time head coach at a D one school. But he might in a couple of years get that chance again. I think Pete was getting at the heart of it, right? Is we have to know, someone's going to have to know what all the details of what happened. Yeah. Because you can't make a good decision unless you know the details of what happened, right? Was it a lack of judgment and poor taste? Like you you broke someone's wedding vows? It's a simply, you know, moral point, which is what I think Pete was getting at. Or was it a consent issue or quid pro quo, like, like what John was talking about? Because if it's that in 2023, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Yeah. That's it. If you no, you can't come back. Power, right? Yeah, you can't come back. You might be on something too there, Matt, with the the delayed firing. Like it, maybe they know and they're trying to not let it get out. Oh, they in the obviously middle know. Of the season, yeah. They, but they but I mean, know. like, 
it may not be that they're trying to hang on to him. Like he's he's probably fired, but it's a matter of like let's wait till the season's over so they're not like right in the middle of you know a playoff run and all. I'm curious what his contract tabloids. looks like. Yeah, and what they what they owe him, right? How firing looks in his contract. I mean, for the amount of money that any of these people get paid, even the head coaches, I'm sure that it's significant. Well, yeah, and John, you know, you, you probably saw this when you were reading the articles, but I, I had a giggle about it, right? Where, like, you know, great coach like Ime, Nets are talking to him, like, you guys want any draft compensation? Celtics like, we're good. We're good. Please take this problem off our hands, Nets. Please add that to your dumpster fire, you know? You can have Ime, you can have Kevin, you can have, you can have <laughs> Kyrie. Hey, Ben Simmons, sure, go on over there. Just have all the troublemakers in one spot. Knock yourselves out. Huh. No, it's like Mr. Burns from that old Simpsons episode. What do you have? Everything. He has everything. <laughs> That's awesome. They're having trouble over there, man. Barclay is nice. I like that. I like that arena a lot. Yeah, Matt, you should, you should. You should. If you ever in the New York City area, you should check out the Barclay Center. Hmm. All right. Yeah, we had a nice time. We we only went. Two seasons ago, actually. Two so, uh, Maddie, you you would you would appreciate this. Actually, we went to a Nets game at the Barclays Center, of which I specifically they weren't playing the Celtics, but I specifically went there to boo Kyrie Irving. <laughs> he wasn't playing though. I was so dis- I was I was just as distraught as uh, as Brad Stevens was, you know, in, in during the press conference. It was like I just wanted to boo Kyrie. Um, two two shout outs. One Celtics one. I just checked. Way to beat the Nets. Way to go, boys. No Al Hawford on the back to back, and and Jalen had a little groin thing. So cheers to our Celtics for all time. But one of my favorite. One of my favorite. Well, certainly I'm a big fan of the Ringer. I'm a big fan of Bill Simmons, uh, the old Boston sports guy. They have a great thing. One of the funniest things that that Bill said on one of his podcasts, and it was so accurate. It just I thought he represented the Boston fan so well. Is like when he was, you know, bitching and moaning and doing all this stuff. Kyrie's like, oh, Boston's just bitter. I'm not there anymore. And Bill said it perfectly. He's like, I will drive you to the airport myself. Nobody <laughs> wanted you. You quit in the playoffs and you were a toxic, absolute presence to our team with two young studs. So, uh, no, Kyrie, we don't miss you. The earth is round. And maybe if you want to be a thoughtful human being, you can listen to occasional guidance from health professionals. Just some general suggestions for Kyrie as he tries to navigate the world for a little bit. Because, I mean, you could, can you imagine being on that Nets team? Oh can you imagine the daily crazy between Ben's self-esteem issues, Kyrie's crazy, and Durant's ego? Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know how there's enough room for the other people on the roster. I mean, I mean, come on, it's that's a, that's a lot to deal with. No wonder why mm-hmm. Steve Nash like didn't do so well either. He's probably like looked at himself in the mirror every day. It's like I have to fucking go through this every day. <laughs> Would you ever be happier to be fired from a job? Oh, he's probably <laughs> so happy. It's like you're gonna you're gonna pay me to get away from all this drama. Thank you. <laughs> it's me. Next topic. So, guys, Stephanie McMahon, co-CEO of the WWE, announced her resignation on Tuesday evening. Uh, This is one week after her father, Vince, came out of retirement and returned as the chairman of the board. After retiring over the summer with allegations of misconduct, uh, while Stephanie's husband, Paul Triple Eight Levesque, remains firmly in place as chief content officer. Uh, This is on heels of rumors of the sale of the WWE and a hefty payday for the now sole CEO, Nick Khan. So, Mark and Matt. What's going on at the WWE? And do you think Stephanie left due to her father's return? I did not hear about this news. That's that's very interesting because she she was their chief brand officer and obviously very involved with the their the branding and the image of WWE. So I actually did not hear 
uh, that this was happening. But I do I do know that it there are a lot, of, a lot of rumors about the WWE being potentially sold. That's quite the the price tag it's going to be. It's I mean it's it's worth a, as much as a bunch of like NFL franchises. So I don't necessarily know who would potentially be a buyer of WWE unless it was a, a corporation or, or something like that. Like it's probably not going to be an individual person. It's definitely going to be either a giant firm or it's probably going to be someone outside of, of wrestling altogether. That's, that's just very interesting to me. That's that Stephanie resigned. And do I, do I think it has to do something with her father? Potentially. Do I think her father's going to be back? I honestly don't know. That's he's, he's definitely got a lot of pull with, within Stanford, Connecticut, but he's his name is somewhat sullied with a lot of the rumors involving him and the the sexual harassment going on. It's a great question. I I I, I don't I honestly don't honestly know. It smells know. an awful lot to me like she knows something and she's getting off the ship before the rats. Do. But you're you're absolutely right. She's married to the chief creative person. Uh, yeah, Paula she's Best. married to Triple H and has been for a while. So it, it, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what what happens. I can't get a clear read on what the buyer is, but SB Nation is reporting Saudi Arabia. I don't know if the country or Ooh, a business in Saudi Arabia. Mm. They have been doing a lot of business in in Saudi Arabia. They do at least one pay per view over there every single year. And again, there's very few individual people that could actually purchase the WWE. So that would make sense. Bob Iger at Disney is also interested as well as um, the CEO of ESPN. So yeah. I think those those sales make a little more sense uh, functionally, like thematically. So that stays US, becomes kind of marketed. It takes all that WWE streaming that's on Peacock right now because they're an NBC company. They had their relationship with NBC and it moves it to ESPN Plus or it moves it to Disney Plus, right? Disney itself gets its hands on it. Yeah, I, I think the definite push out's got to be there because the only person who can push her out is dad. And dad is known for not being able to walk away. Uh, walk away. Thanks, XFL, uh, for the donation <laughs> to the NFL. You know, the only thing I read that I'd add in is that both her and her husband, Triple H, were opposed to the sale. Yeah. So my guess is whoever's interested in buying it went to pops and you know he's not an egomaniac or a control freak or anything so he wouldn't come in and fire his daughter or push her out that wouldn't be vince mcmahon at all um <laughs> my guess is that that's what happened and that you know he must be trying to grease the wheels uh for a pretty big payday and you know if uh, whoever in saudi arabia or espn knows vince mcmahon my bet is part of the pitch is not just get paid but we want you to do your whole heel shtick that he loves to do because he never wants to he walk does. away. So he does. That's, that's my guess. You know, and he's he's still really good at it. The executives they remember when they were kids and they watched Vince McMahon come down and be a heel, and they're like, "I want to own that thing that I liked." Yeah, and you got a boat, uh, you know, a boat ton of money. You can buy it. Next topic. So the twins and Carlos Correa recently came to an agreement of a six-year, $200 million contract after, quote-unquote, passing his physical. This coming after reportedly coming to agreements with the Giants on a 13-year, $350 million contract and the Mets on a 12-year, $315 million contract that ultimately fell apart after their physicals. So, John and Matt, why so much drama revolving Carlos Correa? See, I don't understand this at all because, I mean, that injury to his ankle is back in 2014. He has been playing on it and being an all-star on it for his whole career. I have a sneaking suspicion that there are a lot of teams that, um, and we've been talking about this, but they don't want to pay him at $28, 30000000 million a year until he's in his mid-40s. 
I just don't think they want to. And they kind of the value out of doing that or him just staying in Minnesota where he has fans and they can sell tickets. And you see the Minnesota contract is much less. I mean, it's more money per year, but the term is shorter. I think it makes a lot more sense for at least the Twins. You know, it's uh, uh, while doing research for this, I, I saw that the Twins offered him a 10-year, $285 million contract right before the Giants offer. And uh, I mean, he he turned down that that twins offer. Uh, so it's, it's kind of funny that the, you know, the ultimately came to an agreement with the, the six year, $200 million. Yeah. I mean, Boris was, was pissed. Yeah. Cause they, they called the same doctor. That, that was what I read is they, they kept calling the same doctor about, about the ankle. And, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think, I think at the end of the day, I think this is like baseball trying to be relevant in some way when nobody cares, like nobody cares. Like, you know, the, like the hockey's in full swing, football's in full swing. It's the football playoffs. And all we had was a pretty meek winter set of meetings with with, with the MLB, um, and then for Red Sox fans, heartbreak. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I think uh, the medical to, to your point, John. The medical sounds weird. Um, why you're calling about a guy's ankle, and then you know you have these conflicting reports. The only thing I can figure is I haven't read this. I just throw this out there, which is maybe somebody said yes to a contract before a sweeter offer came out. And there could have been a little bit of a timing issue on it because there's a lot of numbers that have been thrown around and the timeline doesn't seem perfectly clear to me unless you guys read it better than I did. It just it seems hokey. Yeah, there's a lot of hokey involved. Uh, I, I, I was looking while doing research for this, I was looking at his career stats and and there have been a lot of big contracts thrown out this year with uh, Aaron Judge, Zan, Xander Bogarts, as Matt and I definitely know. Uh, just spent a lot of just big multi long term multi million dollar contracts, and I'm but I'm looking at his career stats, and I really don't know really why this big contract was really justified for him. Like he has never had more than 26 home runs in a season. He's never had a hundred RBI season. The highest batting average that he had was 315 when the Astros won the World Series in 2017. But he hasn't had a, a season batting over 300 uh, since then. He, he, he strikes out a lot. Like, why does he really deserve a big contract? Well, I mean, if you guys read about the other contracts, they don't deserve them. They they know. Like, the teams that gave him the contracts, like, yeah, it'll be bad the last couple years, but we want them. So 12-year, 10-year contracts, because, you know, those work out well. But hmm. he, got, he got offered a contract that was bigger than Xander, and Xander has much better numbers than him. And Aaron Judge obviously got a huge contract, but the guy broke the freaking record for home runs this year. So I think he kind of deserves a big contract. Baseball has a lot of um, relational contracts. Um, and so Machado goes and gets $300 million. Bogarts goes and gets what he did. Carlos Correa, who feels, I mean, because they all have big heads. Carlos Correa, who feels like he's on the level of those guys, wants the same amount of money. He wants the same amount of time. He wants to look the same, right? Because he's a commodity. But do you guys, do you guys think that this is sustainable? I mean, do you guys no. think this is, like nobody under 30 watches baseball? No, I actually, I, we've, we've talked nobody. about this a lot, Matt, about on the podcast is like, there's, 
like the financial uh, stability of the, the sport of baseball with these big contracts. And, you know, the Royals can't afford a big contract like this. And a lot of small market teams can't. The the, the Tampa Bay Rays, actually, they they did their own version of this. They signed their, their shortstop, which his, his name is I'm blanking on right now. But they signed him to a 10-year, $185 million deal, which still is a lot of money. But for Tampa, it's a huge amount of money. We've talked about Julio Rodriguez in Seattle, who has his uh that 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 see deal. I like that contract a lot though and it, but it's incentive base it could be anywhere between like two hundred and four hundred million and he's real young and just has been very consistently good and Correa's uh, contract is also uh, vested it's got some essentially some options on it that it could become a ten year contract for up to two hundred seventy million I think but he's got a be able to have certain amount of at bats I believe in his sixth year or in each subsequent year after that. Uh, it's So it's the potential to be a pretty large contract, but at the heart of it, it's really just, or for guaranteed six years, $200 million. Well, we, we have a Yankees fan. We can ask him, how do you feel about the judge contract? See, and we talked about this, but there is a problem with signing Aaron Judge for as long as they did. And I don't, I love Aaron Judge. I'm a big Aaron Judge fan. But to be really realistic, this is the first season Aaron Judge has been healthy every game his whole career. Absolutely. I mean, so this is how that happened in a contract year, too. This is, you know, pinnacle Aaron Judge, but you have these guys like Judge and Stanton who are sitting in the outfield at six foot eight and. They're hurting themselves because they're really just not meant to run the way they do. And you don't get them every game of the season. I mean, I would much rather, and the Yankees did this with Carlos Rodon, I'd much rather them spend their money on 15 to 20 game winners, get a pitching staff that they don't need. I mean, I don't never like the Basham Yankees. I like the Yankees from the late 90s and the early 2000s where they're on base. Because they won? Very, well, <laughs> obviously because they won. But uh, the way they played baseball, the way they played their Joe Torre small National League baseball where they bunted and they hit and they got on base, right? They were all around good teams. All around good, right? You look at the Yankees throughout the Aaron Judge era and everyone's trying to hit a home run. Every single player. And it's not useful to me at all. You, uh, Mark knows this, Matt, but I am really, except for the one year he won us the World Series, a very big, like, as far as everyone likes Alex Rodriguez, I hate Alex Rodriguez. And I don't like Giancarlo Stanton for the same reason. And it's because I don't need a guy who's going to hit 41 run home runs and hit 143 in the playoffs. I just don't need that guy on my team. Well, if you ever want to talk to somebody to bag on A-Rod, I'm here for you. Uh, <laughs> A-Rod support group call. Screw that guy. Um, so you can't help you have, you have good taste. All, all I'm going to say is I think that the way the league is going is exactly what you're talking about. It's crank a home run or strike out. And you know what that is? It's boring as hell to watch. Boring as hell to watch. It's boring for the real baseball fans, the ones that know the game. But if you're a casual baseball fan, home runs are kind of exciting. But think about it. Like, we have four guys on here, obviously four sports guys. How many casual baseball fans do you know anymore? Mm. I can count them on one hand. I watch a lot less baseball than I used to. And I, unless I'm there, and I really like going to live baseball, but unless I'm there, I just can't sit there for four hours and watch, you know, 27 commercial breaks, watch right. a guy, 10 guys walk to the mound, 27 pitcher changes. I mean, the aggression on relief pitchers in MLB managers this last five years is just insane. It leaves for a lot of boring baseball. And they're spending more than they've ever spent. We got 10 teams over 150 million. 10. 
And last oh. year we talked about this um, on, a, on a previous episode. Four billion dollars was the total player payroll last season, and it's definitely going to go higher than that this year. It might even get to five billion. Have you guys seen the uh, the Facebook and Instagram videos about Banana League baseball? <laughs> yeah. Love me some Banana League baseball. This is a very southern thing, South Carolina, Savannah, Florida. right? Oh, Savannah, it's, it's... the Savannah Bananas, right? And so, <laughs> one inning games, they play nine. Whoever whoever wins the most games wins, and you dance between. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, that's what it's turned into. You either play ridiculous baseball or you play home run baseball, and either people are bored or they're not. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, John, that live baseball obviously is a lot more functional, but if you, if anybody on the on the line or you guys have been to all the major professional sports live, and I would never have said this, I would never have said this ten years ago, but I really believe it. It's the most boring live sporting events. Baseball, football's better, basketball's way better, hockey's way better. Arena sports in general are better. You just feel you know? closer. You know, you there's more there, stuff going on. There's more people getting hurt. You know. Yeah. There's not four hours of semi-athletic guys occasionally trying. That's usually not good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough out there. It's tough out there. I, I worry about baseball. Someone who grew up watching it. I'm like you, John, I watch less and less and I see these contracts and I, you know, you don't have, you can be a casual fan and know it's garbage. The end of those contracts are going to be disastrous. Now that they've put the DH in both leagues and you have guys who DH for the last five, 10 years of their career because they just can't run anymore. There's 22-year-olds who are faster than them, who are smarter than them. Orlando Cabrera, right? Like, I love that kid. That kid is a beast, and he's everywhere. He can play every position. Yeah, people are going to start looking at their payrolls like eight years from now and be like, we're still paying that guy? And you're going to say, yes, for three more years you're paying him. The Bobby Bonilla rule. I mean, come on. Pay- yeah. He gets paid a million dollars on July 1st every year. <laughs> That's what more baseball contracts should be. They should go out to, you know, when players are in their 50s. Yeah, his name is Aaron Hicks, you guys, and I know him. <laughs> by the way i you're right baseball probably should learn for i mean look at look at the big albert pujols contract and and robinson cano i mean look those at all are, of them I, I, especially robinson cano that was probably the the worst uh contract ever ever made because i think out of the was it a seven-year deal or something like that? I, I don't know if it was it was 10 years but it was i, know it was I will longer. beg to differ the aaron hicks contract is a flaming piece of hot garbage. Really? Okay. They signed him for seven years, ten million a year, back when he was barely a starter. I have no idea. But why. Robbie Robbie Cano had over like two hundred million dollars, and for for they did pay Robbie Cano more. But I was a big Robbie Cano fan when he was great on the Yankees. And and these big contracts are really more for the beginning of them, and rather than the end. And that's kind of what baseball teams think that they need to do in order to secure the players. And what player is going to turn down like a quarter of a billion dollars of guaranteed money? If you're tw- if you're Carlos Correa, right, and you're 28 years old, and you know that it's getting a little harder every year, you know you're going to try to get a contract as late into your 30s as you can, and making just as much money because money's great, right? You like being a rich guy. I mean, you, you, you said the name, John. You said the winner, Giancarlo. Giancarlo. He's getting paid through 2028. Uh, 2028. You know what? Yep. You know what's even worse about that? The fact that the Marlins were the one that signed him to that deal, and the Yankees were like, "Yeah, we'll take that on." I just imagine being in Jeter's Miami mansion and him just laughing. He was like, "Guys, they took him. I can't even believe it. He's so bad in the cold." 
I wouldn't be. You he's know, already I, in DH. He's already in DH. He doesn't even he's play. He's already in DH. I wouldn't be surprised if Jeter had a say in that. It's like you guys should really grab John Carlos Stan because you know I'm not going to be with the Marlins anymore. So you should take him. We, we, can I do a round robin question really quick? Would you rather have Derek Jeter today or Giancarlo Stanton at $28 million? Derek Jeter in 10 years. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. That's so easy. Pete, where are you going? You going old Jeter or old Ooh. Giancarlo? I don't watch baseball as much as you guys. Well, Pete, after th- just well, to let you know, and I just looked it up for your benefit, after 398 bats this year, how old will Derek Jeter be in Giancarlo Stanton hit 211. 211, Pete. That's, okay, I know, that's, I know that's terrible. For nearly $30 million, he got on base less than a quarter of the time. Oh, yeah. that's, that's way too much. I could and he doesn't play the outfield. He like, just sits on the bench. <laughs> he just, he hits just hits. Money. His he's job is to hit. a hitter who hits 211. And he's making thirty million, so oh, that's wow. all you need to know, Pete. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the, okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> right on a team. I know enough to know that's on a terrible. team <laughs> this year where Aaron Judge hit sixty-two home runs, he hit thirty-one. And so the way modern baseball works is people in the lineup they protect each other, right? Oof, and pitchers yeah. pitchers will decide to pitch to someone and not to someone else because they can. By I the way, I, I do also love how the Yankees they they already had Giancarlo. And they get Joey Gallo, who was a essentially a left-handed Giancarlo, who also tr- batted, I think his career batting average is like 200. But he Whoa. one season he had 40 home runs or something like that. And More the Yankees are like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should get him. <laughs> More importantly, Mock, he shares a great name with a character out of My Cousin Vinny, which I think is Joey Gallo's yeah, greatest contribution that. to anybody. <laughs> and we let Matt Carpenter walk. Yeah, I know. Womp, 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 I think it's because he wanted a mustache again. I love his fucking mustache. I would rather pay thirty million to just to just like watch Joe Pesci walk out and make a joke. That would be, <laughs> that would be more worthwhile spending of my money. Um, yeah, that would be how I spend it. That's it. Who do you guys think the Yankees should start in left field this year? What are their options? <laughs> Aaron Hicks. We're talking about Aaron Hicks. I mean, you you probably got to go with Hicks, right? I mean, I mean, I think they're going to go with Hicks. What's I Nick Swisher should, doing these days? I think they should put Cabrera in the outfield. That's what they I won't, think. Though. They won't. They I won't. I love that kid. If it makes you feel are. better, you're not the number one payroll in baseball. The Mets have actually figured out a way to spend more money than the Yankees. Good for you, Mets fans. Um, get out there and go win that series. Don't they do the same thing every year, though. They're like first place forever, and then they just tank. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually people like, crying on the line. Like the well, Steve Cohen, this is Steve Cohen's first <laughs> real year, and he has more money than God. Steve Cohen, by the way, worth $13 billion. <laughs> so he's just going to do what he does, and he's going to spend a ton of money. Mm. By the way, he could also sponsor this podcast, and we, we would do whatever you want, I think. I mean, We're going to have a Mets fan on next sure. next week, Mr. Cohen, so just let you know. There you go. Although I do, oh, yeah. I, 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 I do appreciate how apparently I think he's trying to rebuild the 2012 Tigers. <laughs> with Verlander and Scherzer. I don't know. Maybe he'll try to bring uh, Lairitz uh, out of retirement. Mark, that, Mark, that's a really excellent point. Also, I really like Jimmy Lairitz. I, I don't even know how old Jimmy Lairitz is now. Is he 80? He's got to be in his 80s Did you now. see the 90s Yankees at Cheater's Hall of Fame induction speech? They all looked like the cast of an old person movie. <laughs> Can we just shout out Derek Jeter, who stayed single through his entire playing career, and then right when he retired, married a supermodel? Way to go, Mr. Jeter. Yeah, Way to that, go. Wow. He, he's a tough Well, he life. really went on a little bit of a dating spree right there at the end. So he dated a lot of supermodels and then married a Sports Illustrated cover model. It's a hard life. 
someone's yeah, gonna he, live uh, I'm yeah. not gonna lie though. If that was like, if Jarek Jeter was on The Bachelor, I probably that would probably get me to watch The Bachelor. I mean, <laughs> no. he essentially. I'm pretty sure that's what his life was towards the end. Was essentially Celebrity one bachelor. giant Bachelor series. Wait, because if you're not watching Bachelor in Paradise every summer, you're just not living. Shout out <laughs> to VIP. <laughs> I don't watch. I don't watch the theater shows. I watch a bunch of broken individuals on an on an oh, island. So I'm not an island, Mexico, trying to find love. Shout out to VIP, amazing, amazing show. I, you know what? I do like the trashy, uh, like dating shows. The the Real Real Rose Challenge. I still watch. I yeah. still watch the challenge, and it's Same. it's because of all the drama that's associated with that show. Honestly, it seems like a good. Yeah, they they got podcasts about that too. They like, do you guys, a huge do. following for that. You show. guys. You got to watch F Boy Island. I'm just saying. Oh, it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's been amazing. So, it's so. She's so hot and so funny, and oh, all the guys are complete douchebags. It's amazing. Huh. It's great. It's great. It is a little sad though when they keep going for the F Boys, <laughs> and then they find out and you're like, okay, this is going to make them make better decisions. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make them make better. Decisions. Has no material impact. No. 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 Next topic. It is. So we talked about this, guys, but with a gutsy win against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, the Lions finished the season's nine and eight. Now, this is the first time the Lions have finished with a winning season since 2017, and that's after winning eight of their last 10 and climbing out of a one and six hole. Uh, this effort was on the back of a reborn Jared Goff, who finished the season with the lowest interception rate, 1.2%, and the highest touchdown to interception ratio, 4.14, which has prompted Lions GM Brad Holmes to call him our quarterback. So Mark and Matt and Pete, with Goff being signed through 2024, is he actually going to be their quarterback? And where do you expect to see the Lions in the 2023 season? So I'm pretty sure one of the four of us could have probably been the quarterback of, of the Lions because all they do is run the ball. I think Goff, Goff probably had a very low interception rate because I think he averaged like two throws a game or something like that. And that was <laughs> probably like for two yards. Uh, obviously, I'm exaggerating. The, the Lions had a phenomenal run game. They had two really good running backs in Swift and and Williams. Uh I I believe I don't I don't think they were quite the number 1 rushing team in the league, but they were pretty damn close. They they also uh had a pretty good defense that was underrated. We we talked about the Giants a little bit uh, having a culture change. Dan Campbell did a phenomenal job with just changing the culture in Detroit. He he got off the season saying that they were, you know, going to going to start biting kneecaps and 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 whatnot it's it was he had a lot of funny sound bites in in the season but he's he seems like he's a good guy to play for and i th i think everyone just had a lot of fun playing for him so now do i think golf is going to repeat this for next year i don't know he he had a pretty good year for the rams the year that he, they took they went to the super bowl but uh the patriots were able to um they showed that he was a little bit of a fraud and that he really wasn't that good of a quarterback with a year's worth of tape that the teams are going to have against the lions if they're going to have the same Offensive game plan, defenses are probably going to put eight in the box and they're going to say, Jared Goff, you're going to have to have to beat us. We'll see what happens next year. I'm not a I'm not a believer in Jared Goff, though. I think they have a ton of really good skill players. I think Amon Ross St. Brown and um, DJ Shark are really underrated WR1s and WR2s. And just in general, like I'm really surprised they gave up Hawk because I think with Hawk, they're much, much better. Yeah, um, that was surprising. And really, when they, I think they did it at the time of the season where they weren't really in the hunt, and then they found no, themselves they, yeah. to kind of be mm. relevant after that. They were in the middle of their winning streak, though, when they traded him, weren't they? 
No, they. I don't think they had started it yet because oh, uh, the okay. trading deadline's week nine, and John said that they were like one and six after. Yeah, they were one and six. So. Okay. so I mean, even three and six, that's not really a great NFL season. Yeah, giving up on a player like Hawk was a, was a huge mistake, I think, for them as an up and coming team. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm Ross St. Brown is amazing. Yes. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. He is amazing. Their their skilled players are are very good. Um, what's uh, Reynolds? Josh Reynolds, I think, is his name. Um, he's, he's a pretty good slot receiver as well. Uh, they, I mean, they have a lot of great skill players, but Jared Goff long-term, if, if you were to force him to, to, to win the game for, for you, I don't think it's going to happen. Do you feel it's the, uh, the HBO hard knocks effect? They were the hard knocks team this year. Just saying. No, I, I, I think actually they were really coordinated well. I think they were a great foil for the Patriots, right? Which is like, what can you do if you actually have a competent offensive coordinator? And if you looked at what they did, they were always leading, like if you watched a full Lions game, and I, I was watching because of fantasy purposes. I do have a Lions fan in my in my life, poor bastard. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when you watch, like you would see them, they'd run a similar set, they'd run a similar formation and do something different out of it. So they were really playing the long game from an offensive coordination. When you have a couple good skill players, everything you guys are talking about, that's going to lead to success. Right, because people are going to get used to your tendencies, and you're going to go against those. So, I think they showed what a well-coordinated, offensively coordinated team could do. They have some really good talent that they, they can build on. I think the defense was a little bit more uneven. I think because you were being kind, they were pretty uneven throughout the year. But they have a competent offense. And look at, I think if you're the the Lions. You're not like we're trying to win the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. We're trying to be a better team with Jared Goff. And I think Jared Goff has proven he can do that because he did it with the Rams, which was another well-coordinated team. So at the end of the day, I think if you're them, you maintain Goff for another year. You try to get a young guy in there. You keep building, building, building. Maybe you get to the playoffs next year so that the team gets a little bit under their feet. And then it's just setting you up for success because every NFL team's on a three-year plan, and that's the plan they got to be on is trying to get better. Yeah, I agree. I think they can use Goff as a playoff push and as a steady the ship kind of guy until they can find someone who's like going to blow them away as a franchise quarterback as for the defense too they do have thor on a middle linebacker uh, alex and uh Anzalone. that dude's hair is magical he has beautiful hair he does right. have long flowing hair yeah, he definitely uses head and shoulders. I mean, Ben Johnson, um, the OC for the Lions, is just he's been working since '09. I mean, he mm-hmm. is a kind of prolific OC for many teams. I think he's on a couple years. people's short list for head coaches. I mean, he's going to get a job after this season, right? I mean, someone's going to give him an HC job. You have to imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. with all the openings, right, Mark? Currently, there's only five. In recent years, there's been more. I think last year, this time last year, it was like nine uh, head coach yeah, openings. Yeah, this is less of a coach carousel for the term uh, that I'm used to. I, I think usually the the Monday after the final week of the season, they usually call that Black Monday, and that's because everyone that's going to yep. get fired gets fired. There were a lot of coaches this year that got fired midseason, and not a lot of coaches were fired mm, uh, True. This, yeah. pa- this past Monday. But, I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's the NFL think- hiring pattern, right? You're a yep. good coordinator. People go, oh, you're going to be a great coach, as opposed to thinking, like, I want a fantastic manager of a business leader <laughs> you know you're looking for a mike tomlin is really what you want mm-hmm. and, and no one knows but if you go on the basic historical of you took something and you made it better or great and that's what he did with the lions and 
Yeah, I figured that guy's got it. He that was a well court. I, I as someone who had a team that had no offensive coordination, where it was just Matt Patricia <laughs> spinning around in a circle and pointing either to draw play or screen pass, it was really exciting for me to watch a team with an actual plan. So, um, come on over to New England. I'm told Bill is a lively guy, great personality, amazing press conferences. <laughs> Will he so give him a vest? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go for a vest. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Good vest. That's that's what you good want. Vest. Goza the Gozarian, good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all super, supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or the nearest convenient next topic. So this is going to be my shortest lead-in ever. Gentlemen, what should the Patriots do with their offense? Oh, my God. How much time do you have? Hey, Matt, I'm going to let you just go with this, all right? Yeah, go, Matt, go, Matt, Matt, just go. Matt, for 10 okay, minutes, go. here you go. All right, so let's let's start high level and we'll drill down. I think that's how you want to do this. So number one, it would be great if we had someone who has run an offense to run our offense. That would be just where I'd start. You would Call think that'd be a very simple, like that very first like, qualification in, in an offensive coordinator. Have you yeah. ran an offense before? Do yeah. you know anything about offense? Yeah, maybe a guy who's called plays and has done it semi-successfully in the past would be a wonderful qualification to have on the job application. Just to put it in perspective, Matt Patricia went to a small engineering school in upstate New York. That may be that the three of us went to. Right, and we don't know shit about football, actually. I think we would know a little bit more about calling offensive plays than Patricia did, though. Yeah. Well, no. you know, when you spend your whole life being a defensive coordinator and suddenly called to call an offense, it's kind of a problem. There was a great quote. I think it was The Athletic. Uh, forgive me if it wasn't, but it's, this is not an original thought. So I'm just doing my thing to, to make sure I don't plagiarize. But they, they, they quoted an anonymous guy and they said, what do you think of the Patriots offense? And it's, it's such a ruthless, honest take. He's like, it looks like an offense called by a defensive guy. and that's what it was i mean so to to give you guys my 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 lovely fiance who i love dearly she was born in seattle she's a seahawks fan the poor thing god bless her i love her to death but she's a casual football fan even she was like why do they keep throwing it that way (laughs) it was obvious to someone who gave no shits who was at the game for a beer and a hot dog it is obvious. Other teams throughout the entirety of it, the other coordinators were talking about like they knew the defense was calling the calling play the plays because we had three plays. <laughs> like it's not rocket science. So the number one thing you have to do is get something. Look at Bill always says stuff. I think he messes with the media all the time. But hire someone you don't know, Bill. Let the nepotism go, man. Please. <laughs> please. That is the thing. That is the thing. He loves to hire people that he knows. Which is why I actually think the 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 solution the offense hire Bill O'Brien. But hire no, but Bill O'Brien. Bill's a guy he knows. Bill's but a guy. He's, but he's an he's at least knows offense though. No, I, I love you, cuz. No, 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 Bill O'Brien. No more moderately successful white guys. Okay, <laughs> please, please, let's get a little let's let's get someone in there who has a different perspective who's run a different type of offense. If we want to run an outside zone, if we want to run a play action centric, a non fullback kind of offense, I'm down with that. I would you love want to, to have see the two tight ends, do it. What's that? I said, I would love to see the Patriots do something different than like it. They're very like 1960s Vince Lombardi vanilla yes. football. And it, it's getting a little old. 
I, I think the personnel doesn't quite help too. I mean, Bill tried to a couple se- off seasons ago. He tried to 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 get some better skilled players, but he tried to do the old mentality of trying to get good deals for players. Mm. But he, he didn't. Spent, Mark. He, spent, he spent, spent, but he didn't spend. He spent a lot. He spent a medium amount of money on a lot of players when. In today's NFL, you need to spend a lot of money on one player, and that's never been Belichick's mo. He's never done that. Well, look at let me go. Let me go to our resident Giants fan, right? So, so John, let's imagine you just gave two tight ends who were the two best tight ends on the market, Jonu Smith, and a, and a, and a lovely man from from lovely San Diego, a chunk of money, right? And now, for folks for folks that are listening, if you're not familiar with personnel, if I say twelve personnel, what that really means is one running back, two tight ends, right? So that's what that means. So if you had Two premier tight ends, two guys who can both catch and block. Would you want to use twelve personnel occasionally, John? Would that be something as a as an what? offensive-minded genius? Once or leverage? twice on a team that has no real tight end to speak of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or at or at the very least, why don't you put your best skill players out on the field as opposed to having them on the bench? Like, what was Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne, Bourne doing on the bench most of the season? All right, you got a you got a you got a name for an offensive coordinator, Matt? Yeah, someone Bill doesn't know who's been successful running an offense. That's my name. I think maybe Ben Johnson. <laughs> yeah, maybe no, so, honestly, God, like here's the thing, and I I we kind of talked about this, but I, I want I want you guys to weigh in on this because I think I think one of the things that NFL teams does that's really poorly thought out is they interview three or four people and they're done. Like I interview eight people for a job at my local nonprofit I work for. This is an NFL job. This is a coordinator job, right? There's two coordinator jobs, there's 32 teams. I can do the math. That's 64. It is a premier 0.0001% job. Can we interview double digits? Can we interview people from a variety of backgrounds with some diverse ideas and some interesting thoughts and see if we can find a great candidate? That's not a crazy idea. So I hate this media thing of like, oh, a guy that we knew before, you know, or somebody that was like decent on the team. Cast a wide net, find a good leader who's called plays, who's been successful. I'll tell you a secret, NFL. Please, Bill, listen to me. I love you, man. Please. If they sucked in college, if they haven't been good when they left the Patriots, <laughs> they were never good. They were just good because they worked with you and Do Tom not Brady. hire Cliff Clint Kingsbury. Is that what you're saying? No. no. <laughs> yeah. I was Don't hire say Cliff it. Kingsbury, right. please. <laughs> Nobody should ever hire What's Cliff he doing? Kingsbury. He's available. He <laughs> What's he doing now? He's trying to call Patrick Mahomes for a job. Can I, so, Matt, you're you're absolutely right. They only interview like a like a handful of people, but you know why? Because they already know who they're going to hire before the interview process. Unfortunately, so jacked. It's it's so yeah, jacked. it's it's off. I mean, we've we've already said this multiple times in this episode. NFL teams are making stupid decisions. <laughs> like they're not oh. really thinking about what they're going to do. They already know what they're going to do, and it's not usually the right decision. Yeah, like Pete, John, you guys knew this. They said it. Every idiot writer is like, hey, you have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia running your offense. Probably not a great idea. And Bill's like, well, you know, um, good coach is a good coach. No, a good coach is not a good coach. (laughs) A good basketball coach cannot teach soccer. What are you talking about, Bill? I think that was too much emotion in your voice for for a Bill. That was really good. Really, really good. Too much energy. Bring it down a little. Too much energy. Too much energy. As a NFC watching Giants fan, I thought about the Patriots very little this year. They were very forgettable. Well, you only care about them when they're when you're facing them in the Super Bowl. Well, obviously. 
and they somehow lose to you every Twice. time because of stupid miraculous catches. You know, you said it, you said it because the number one job of a coach is to maximize the talent that they have. You yes. can't create talent. You can't give the Giants a great tight end. There's no yes. TJ Hawkinson, right, for the Giants, right? But we have Jonu Smith. We have Hunter Henry. We have guys that have shown the ability to be very successful at the NFL level, and we failed them. That's not on the players. That's on the coaches. This season was a failure of coaching. You mentioned Kendrick Bourne. He has proven to be a guy who can get separation. Uh, by the way, Kendrick, if you get a minute, if you want to show Devontae Parker how to get separation, I'd certainly appreciate it because <laughs> once again, he led the league in the least separation ever. Um, apparently apparently thinking, why get separation when I can catch at least three balls? I'm so tall. Game? I don't need to, to, I need to oh, run fast. God. There's a third round pick that was well spent. Yikes. You know, we mess up draft picks with uh, receivers, even when we're not drafting. Bill does not know anything about wide receivers, ex- unless uh, they're, they were former quarterbacks. I would literally give a first-round draft pick to Mike Tomlin, who's drafted an amazing amount of receivers successfully with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Please, Mike, come over. I'll give you a first-round pick to use our second-round pick, not on a DB that no one's heard of. Thank you, Bill. We've done that enough. But maybe on a wide receiver, that would be decent. Why don't you find us a Chase Claypool? Please. I know he's not with the Steelers anymore, but he was basically like a DK Metcalf kind of guy. So all I'm saying is we need to think and do things differently. You know, Bill said something. This is a shout out for all the real Pats fans out there. When Bill came over from the Browns, when he would actually talk and answer thoughtfully to questions from this is three, six Super Bowls, he would actually answer questions from uh, journalists. Journalists ask him, what did you learn from your time in the Browns? And he said something he's clearly forgotten. He goes, I learned you can't do it all yourself. You need a great staff where you delegate responsibilities and it takes a full team to do it. And he plays around and we had a big brain drain. We lost a ton of coaches over the years, particularly when McDaniel stole like five other coaches when he went to the Raiders and he didn't replace them. No. And when you pair that with a bunch of retirements and you don't bring in people, you didn't take your own advice, Bill. You didn't hire enough staff. So my hope to ultimately fix the offense and thus fix the team is to bring in new people with good experience, good ideas, who is going to maximize the talent on the team. Because our team is talented. Patriots fans, I hate to tell you this. It's going to hurt you. We're talented. We just didn't use them right. Because Jonu Smith was good on the Titans. On the Titans. And we couldn't make them good on the Patriots. Yeah, for shame for all the Game of Thrones people. Shame. I'm ringing the bell. Shame. <laughs> walking down naked down the street. And Ramondre had this huge season. Yeah, yeah. huge. Our defense was the year. best. Was the best. Our defense was amazing. Yeah. Criminal. Matt Jones. Look at if you beginning of this year, right? So I'll go around. Pete, John. Beginning of the year after last year. So before a game was played, hmm. when you talked about the five quarterbacks taken in the first round last year. Oh, yeah. He was the best one of the bunch. Mac Jones, by right? far. By best. far. By yeah. far. Yeah. And, and he, now he's the end. Because you may take the injured guy. What's his name on, on San Francisco? Because the old. Oh, Trey Lance? Team. Yeah. Yeah, Trey Lance. He on from the first to the last. That's criminal. That's bad coaching. Yeah. No argument here. No argument. Speaking here. of the Steelers, uh, Deontay Johnson set a record this year. Do you guys want to know what it was? What was it? 147 targets, no touchdowns. Wow. Wow. Holy yeah, I, cow. Just to talk about my fantasy season, on top of the Jonathan Taylor nightmare and the Kyle Pitts nightmare, I also invested in Deontay, in Deontay Johnson. Was Deontay Johnson training with Julio Jones for the last three years? To <laughs> I, think so. I, I think so. 
Let me show you how to not score. Kid. The Steelers look so bad. Steelers finished the way that they probably should have. And yeah. Mike Tomlin, being who he is, was had another winning uh, record. Thank, yeah. Thankfully for great, that extra great game. Coach. He, <laughs> he pulls the amount of talent. Like they don't have a like a ton of talent, especially at quarterback. Yet Pickett's still an unknown. And and uh, and TJ Watt was was hurt for more than half right. the year. He I think, was out too. most of the season. So. Tomlin is fantastic at pulling, always pulling that team into a playoff position every year. It's like they're always a winning season. It's all, like they're always relevant. Yeah, they had no business having a winning record. I mean, talk but about a franchise that knows how to pick a head coach. Yeah, they, they've they had, had three head coaches yeah. in their entire history. Right, it's insane. And they were all great. <laughs> all great. <laughs> right. All great. And all you, great. you know, had it not been for Cower, like saying, "Yeah, I think I'm done," they they probably never would have hired Tomlin, and Cower probably still would be coaching. Oh, he'd still be there, yeah. I mean, if you could start an NFL franchise right now and you had your pick of the litter of coaches, how many of you guys take Tomlin? Yeah, he's up there. He's up there. I don't know if he'd be in my number one choice, but he's up there. I think he'd be mine. And obviously, Bill's the GOAT. I'm not taking anything away from Bill, but he's a little stuck in his ways. He's older. I can get a lot more out of Tomlin. Tomlin's shown me that he can really connect with the modern player. He had a great interview where he talked about kind of letting guys be who they are and how that's an important part of the NFL now with the, the younger generation coming in, you know, the, the young guys, the 20 somethings who grew up in a different generation. And I don't think Bill can really connect that way. And so if I had to draft someone now looking forward, obviously for historical growth, Bill, but for now I'd go Tomlin. He's, he, I mean, it's not a bad choice. It's not a bad choice. I think I would actually pick Kyle Shanahan. That kid, uh, choice, he's yeah. young. And, and I think he's, he knows how to, how to get the best out of his, his team. I think. I really like David Shula. Is he Don's uh, son? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. Is he I related so. to, to Don, the, the great Don Shula? So, so I actually, Pete, would you have rather have Sean McDermott or Brian Dable? I love what Dable is doing in New York, but I, I think right now McDermott is the best person for the the Bills. Or like, he's the best one that they need right now, just to get them through all the crazy shit they've been. You know, this he, I, I I am I'm fully impressed with Sean McDermott and, and everything that he's done with Demar Hamlin. But as a head coach, I don't think he has what it takes to win the big game. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one that I actually did not like a lot of his football decisions, especially his first couple of years. But I feel like that part of his coaching repertoire has gotten better every year. Like he's at least open-minded in his learning. He has an analytics team. He listens to them. So he's getting better on that front. It's, it's going to take probably more years, but at least I've seen him improving every, every year. I think uh, they're well coached. I mean, they make a lot of brave decisions. They're not, they're not just always kicking them, uh, kicking on fourth down like they used they, to. Oh, they rarely ever punt. Right. Is Josh yeah. Allen healthy? I think that's the question. I think he's healthy enough. He's healthy enough. Yeah, he's not 100%. I mean, um, he's. I think he's gotten over the UCL thing. I don't uh, – whether he needs surgery at the in the offseason is another story. He hasn't looked the same since that injury, though. He hasn't looked the same, but he looks much better now than he did when he first strained it. Yeah, Kyle Brandt has him um, on his like NFL show every week, and he's pretty frank with him. Like, hey, how's the elbow doing? And Josh has been pretty honest. Like, he's like – yeah, it was sore today or whatever, but he's been saying like, yeah, I'm it's a I have to manage it all season. He's like, but it's getting better each week. Pete is is your defense healthy enough to win in the playoffs? So about that, the reason that I am more confident now about the Bills actually making it to the Super Bowl where I wasn't really until I heard this. Micah Hyde's coming back. So But Von Miller's not. 
Von Miller's not. But the Bills, for five years, until this year, for the last five years, had the number one pass defense in the NFL with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer as their safety duo. This year, Hyde goes out with a neck injury in week two or three. I think it was week two. And Poyer's been banged up. They All three losses that the Bills had this season were when Poyer wasn't playing. And with Hyde out all season, they went from the number one pass defense in the NFL to the 24th. I love Damar Hamlin. I love everything about him. And I, I, oh my God, I hope he's okay and that he gets better and can play. But oh my God, getting Hyde back to replace like a healthy Hyde to come back for the playoffs when Hamlin is out. This could be the difference maker that makes Buffalo's defense elite again. And they need it badly. Final question. Fight. So, guys, another major issue hit USA air travel this week when on Wednesday, more than 6,700 U.S. flights were delayed and over 1,000 were canceled due to an FAA computer outage to the NOTAM. This is Notice to Air Mission Systems system went down. Uh, This is after the holiday outage um, that for Southwest Airlines canceled tens of thousands of flights over the holidays. Uh, with the FAA currently without a leader and the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, as well as all other politicians calling for answers, Mark, what's wrong with the air travel in the U.S. and what would you do to fix it? And on top of that, do you think there's something that we don't know about as other state actors possibly hacking our air travel? So they're saying that there was a corrupt file associated with that FAA glitch, which is possible. It's a very antiquated system that they're using. Yes, it, with regards to air travel, there's just a lot of just just BS being thrown around. And, and the fact that just in general, you know, airlines are trying to recapture a lot of the revenue that they missed during COVID. So they're, they jacked up all the rates of all the flights. And, you know, there's, if everyone is doing it, then it's okay. You know, that might be collusion, but whatever. I, I mean, there's just, to me, there's just, there's a lot of corruption going associated with, with, uh, with airline travel and, and with, from a government perspective and from a private sector uh, perspective that, I mean, I don't, I try to fly as little as possible. Do I have an answer for this? No, because that's not my background. I mean, I did back in the day, you know, my major in school was like, uh, was operations research. And one of the, one of my, one of my assignments was actually having to do like some kind of network diagram with with airlines and and whatnot. So that that was fun to do like that little air traffic control equation. I mean, how to how to fix that? No, I I I I don't think I definitely don't have the answer to fix that. But I think there definitely needs to be a new regime associated with it. I mean, you said there's no one heading the FAA right now. That's obviously a problem. It's almost the same reason, you know, same reason for the Patriots. You didn't have an offensive coordinator and that's probably a problem. The same thing with the FAA. Maybe you should have someone actually in charge that knows what they're doing. Eh. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're an emblem of mismanagement. I'll give you a great example. I just flew back. My sister just got married. Shout out Emily and Sean. And you know, I, we got on a flight. We had to go through Charlotte because we were with American Airlines. We get on early. I was like, oh, this is exciting. Everything's late. We get on early to the flight. And for the first time in a long time, the flight was about half empty. And we're on there and they're like, hey, everybody's here. So we, we may be able to leave a little early. We're like, great. So everybody's buckled up. The the flight attendants have put everything up and the, the pilot's like, yeah, we're just going to finish up loading everything and we'll, we'll be good to go. 40 minutes later, still sitting there, no communication. He's like, uh, hey, everybody, this is Captain Ron here. Uh, we realize that we're not quite as full as we normally are. And so there's some weight distribution errors. So we're going to get working on that and we'll get out of here. Uh, lickety split. And I was like, hey, Ron, hey, Cap, 
Didn't you know we were half empty maybe an hour before we boarded the damn plane and maybe you guys would have pieced that together? For folks on the line, I am in operations. I'm a chief operating officer, so I do this every day. And that's just piss poor logistics and piss poor planning. And the airlines have a public good, meaning, um, you know, everybody else trying to sell you something, right? Samsung tries to sell you a TV. Bose is trying to sell you a headset. We have to fly. The modern world is based on commercial flight. They have a good that is in, as in demand as water. And we've bailed them out, what, four times? And they still can't get it together. Mismanaged, poor operations, poor planning. There was a great line, uh, the Southwest fiasco. I guess, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess their particular software. So that's the software that Southwest internally uses to manage their kind of flight crews and where they are and where they need to be. Um, apparently, it was so up to date. It was so high tech that when a crew was stranded, when a crew's flight was canceled, which, you know, comes from that airline, they had to call into a hotline to say, hey, by the way, our flight's canceled. We're still here. Oh. Soak that in for a minute, folks. Damn. That is the level of, of genius being leveraged at Southwest Airlines. Uh, it's gross incompetence. I, I don't know. And uh, the federal government, I mean, they, they're not, besides throwing money at them, they're not giving them any good ideas. They're just saying fix it. And uh, as with most things that are wrong in infrastructure in America, that's the problem. It's infrastructure. They're just not spending the money where they need to spend it. And they're not making the systems better. They're not making them more modern. They're not making them more user and client friendly. It's just a real top to bottom issue in the whole thing. And and the problem is, and they've said this, the problem is the whole airline complex is on a needle's edge. And I think people said that that holiday outage and um, it, it was predicted. They were like, this is going to happen. It's all going to just come crashing down. Yeah. To, uh, on the point, too, and I think this is like for the Southwest thing where the heat on Buttigieg was, especially with this, there's no accountability for the bailout money that they're giving them. Right. There's no restrictions. There's no like, hey, we're going to give you this money. And all of a sudden, all the owners in Southwest are like, oh, we'll use this for stock buybacks and make more millions of dollars. <laughs> hey, how about updating that like super old software that sucks instead? <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were saying like the uh, the union that represented, I think, the pilots, the flight attendants, kind of the, the major uh, workers that were there. Apparently, and I, I read this, I think, in The Times. They were, you know, they were asking for pay and they were asking for things that all unions ask for that everybody wants in their jobs. But they literally said, like, if you fix the system, we'll take less shit. Like, we'll take less money. We'll take less. Please fix the system. And they still, they still didn't do it. it. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, uh, Pete, uh, they're not listening to people. And John, you said it, too, which is that idea mm -hmm. of like they knew it was going to happen. The people working for them are like, if you don't do this, it will crash. And then it crashed. And like, well, I mean, I don't know what it was. It could have been anything. Yeah. You know, it's like that family guy. Do you want the boat? Do you want this? Or do you want the mystery box? And Peter's like, oh, I want the mystery, <laughs> the mystery box. box. It could be anything. <laughs> it even be a boat. <laughs> That's a great episode, man. I love that. <laughs> Not sponsored by Family Guy. No. Sadly. So that has been our 10 topics. Please follow or like us on our socials at If These Balls Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can search for If These Balls Could Talk on Facebook. Our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com, where you can find out more about us. We'd like to thank our guest, Matt, for joining us. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure being here, boys. Thank you. 
This is Mark Pesci, and for my partner John Companion and producer Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. If these balls could talk, they would walk along the bases and into the fields. If these balls could talk with Mark and John.